Town Hall Academy, episode 73. I walked out of that room. I walked out of the daycare and I went to the parking lot and I, I just sat there. I started to get angry and I started to just get this fire inside of me. And I remember turning, diligently walking to my car, getting in my car and saying, I just turned. This is it. I'm fighting now. I'm, I'm not going to let this happen ever again. Everything from here on is up. And I just turned, went back to work. My next tech came. The next week, we started completely new, and we, we never looked back. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hello and welcome to the Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Have you ever thought about a big event that you could call a life pivot? A circumstance that made a change in your life or your business? Many of us can claim fame to some monumental occurrence in our career that could be classified as an important pivot point. Today's Academy is all about those pivots. So glad you are joining other aftermarket professionals on the aftermarket super learning highway. Our intention is to help bring fresh and innovative discussion to inspire and grow individuals and companies. You are with Academy Episode 73 with Kim Auernheimer, Patrick McHugh, Alan Sims, and Cecil Bullard. Carm Capriato here, thanking Jasper Engines and Transmissions for their support of the Town Hall Academy. Now, why purchase a Jasper quality remanufactured product? Well, it's their people. A Jasper associate is dedicated to high-quality customer service, committed to excellence, professional, and has pride of ownership as part of a 100% associate-owned company. Check out their featured engine and transmission pages at jasperengines.com. Hey, a couple of important reminders for you. Select Town Hall Academy episodes are now available for AMI elective credits. Go to remarkableresults.biz slash AMI. Hey, to find a link to my own listening app for your Apple or Android device, go to remarkableresults.biz slash app, A-P-P. Hey, you can listen to the show on over 12 podcast subscription services like Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, and more. Now, while you're there, please subscribe and give me a like. You know, the network of connected listeners builds every week. I'm honored to have new Facebook friends Scott English, Mike Allen, and Jonathan Ortiz, and my latest LinkedIn connections, Paul McCarthy and John Elmore. So glad to have you on board and engaged in the Aftermarket's premier talk radio, where the stories power you. With me for this special episode is Kim Auernheimer, partner with husband Rob in CS Automotive, Brentwood, Tennessee, Patrick McHugh, shop owner at Bimmer Rescue, Richmond, Virginia, Alan Sims from Revolution Automotive Services, Norwood, Mass., and Cecil Bullard, CEO of the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Now listen to learn just one thing as we give you a first-hand seat in this story-based episode on the power of the pivot. Your learning curve never sounded so good. This is a big episode. This is going to be one of those classics. Your turning point, the pivot that improved your business. And uh, Cecil and I were talking about this a while back. In fact, I don't even know. I think it was at ATE, Cecil. And I, I says, I wanted to get a team together. And I said, do you know anybody? And you said, I just may. Pivoting. Uh, I have to tell you, I've done a few of those in my life. You know, businesses make many pivots as they grow and mature. So do people. Kim, I'm going to go to you first. 
ladies always, you were the bestest and the cheapest place in town. Well, we, yeah, that was our, our goal was we, we felt like we had to be the best and yet we were afraid that people wouldn't come in. So we had to be the cheapest. Um, we started our business to cater to um, some friends and, you know, fellow church members. And what happened was we, we became the best because Rob is, in my opinion, uh, one of the best um, Lexus Toyota technicians out there. Um, and we didn't under, you know, in this 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 um, focus of starting out and building up our business, we also were the cheapest. So we were given the best service, best repairs, best parts, everything from the get go. Um, but yet we we were in this hamster wheel of of um, just trying to survive and pay bills and get ahead. So you knew somewhere along the line there had to be a line in the sand that you had to you had to walk over. Yeah, we we kind of we got to a point where um, we were exhausted, um, you know. Just and we kept thinking, if we bring more cars in, we're going to make more money. We bring more cars in, we're going to make more money. And um, to get more cars in, they were our friends and and uh, friends and church members and and neighbors. Then we kept being, you know, we we just felt like that's how we're going to woo them is to be their go to. We're going to take care of them. We're going to be the best, and we're going to be cheap. And we were exhausted and we had um, maxed out our credit cards. We had um, moved into another building. And then by chance, and I think it was Patrick and I were sitting in the same class, um, we figured out during the talking points that we realized that there's something, you know, I was looking for help and I didn't know what the help was going to be. And the help was standing in front of us. Um, barefoot. I just just remember he was not wearing shoes that particular class. But, but Patrick's an old hippie, I think. I mean, I think he's a, he's a, he's a kindred. Cecil is actually barefoot. Yeah, well, he was, maybe it was a, you, know, you know, Cecil, what's so interesting, I think the, the operative word in what Kim just said was exhausted. And you know, she exhausted. said it three times, by the way. Boy, does that bring up memories for you. How many times do you hear that from new clients? I, th- I think there's an awful lot of shop owners out there that have worked very, very hard to try and make their businesses successful. I don't think there's any, any lack of hard work. I, I think it's, it's lack of understanding the business financially and, and really doing the smart things. Um, and then there's always this idea um, that, man, if, I, if I'm too expensive, then they're not going to love me. Uh, if I hold my people accountable, they're not going to love me. Um, and then I'm going to be here by myself. And I remember what it was like when I was, it was just me and it was harder and I just don't have that energy now. So yeah, we, we, we hear, I think there's, I would bet that probably somewhere between 50 and 60% of the industry is in that space right now. The same space that Kim was, uh, uh, you know, a few years back, the same space that Patrick was in uh, a few years back. Patrick, you had this, oh my God, I'm a, I'm a, I'm this discount guy mentality. Give us, uh, give us your first pivot. So for the first two years of my business, that was very similar to Kim's thing. I, I was, that was the cheaper, cheaper alternative was kind of my like mentality for about only about two years. I, I did that before I went to that expo and, and it kind of, it was like a lightning bolt kind of struck me in the head in the middle of, of his class. Like, 
I didn't even really comprehend the fact that there could be numbers behind the business, really, or there could be. I, I didn't even really know what Cecil was talking about, to be honest. And, but I knew I needed, I needed that. I needed to figure that stuff out like right away. And I and I was also excited because I knew that there was something on the other side that that it it would ultimately be easier for me if I could figure these things out and I could ultimately offer a better product to people. But that was kind of my lightning bolt. Uh, sitting in that class, I remember dialing in on my laptop and raising <laughs> my labor rate from 105 to 125, which looking back wow. is still not a lot. You know, uh, We've gone way up from there. But um, right there, I jumped 20, 20 bucks and, and you know, it, it changed everything. Now, we, we still made some mistakes and that, this is kind of where the, the aftermath of the pivot comes from. I went to the class. I got the skeleton of what I needed. I got the, the cliff notes and I ran home and I just dumped it on my shop and I started started pushing. And I, I was missing some of the pieces of the pie that I really needed. And it ultimately led to to some interesting experiences. But um but yeah, that's kind of my like that's where I picked up this this pivot thing. That was my first one. Patrick, when you go to a seminar and you come back, do does your team say, "Oh my God, Patrick's come back from a meeting"? Oh, we're gonna have to no, change. They just try things. to avoid eye contact. <laughs> they know that if I even see me, I'll start talking, and they'll never get me to go away. Uh, you know, they. What I want to do is bring them with me to some of these things pretty soon. That that'll change a lot. But yeah, they've gotten used to it. So. I, I think there's a point that has to be made. And, and I think that um, is the industry too cheap? Yes, we need to be more expensive. Our, our, our labor rates need to go up because we're just not surviving. There, there are too many people that are just surviving. and They're not living in our industry. And we're not going to attract good people to our industry if we don't pay good wages and have great benefits and all of that. So I, I certainly want to not negate that. But it's not just about raising price. And I think some people out there in the audience are going to go, oh, they just went home and raised their price, which that's what every consultant says to do. That's not necessarily the, the package. The package is a lot more than that. Yep. Um, and I think that needs to be discussed. That's a great point. And let's, let us, thank you for saying that up front. That's, that's not the, um, the magic pixie dust that uh, I think you could all agree that, that made the change. I need to comment on something else you said, Patrick. You know, coming home from a meeting, what I learned years ago is to kind of walk in softer than... Yep. To come in a little softer for a few days, put some things on paper and find out what I actually wanted to implement and share. And the something else you said was on the other side. It reminded me of one of my favorite-ist quotes. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, knowing what's around the next corner. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is one of the things that a business coach can help uh, a successful shop owner with. We did come back from that expo, and we have a couple employees that were with us from that from that that point forward, and they saw the changes. And so, every time we come back from an expo, or every time I come back from you know a training like Vision or or the Smart Group meetings, the quarterly meetings, or what have it be, is every time I come back the employees that are have been on this ride, they're learning to trust us more. Each time we implement and there's improvement, then there's more trust. There's less kickback from the employees. So they know, and if it doesn't work, then then we don't do it. We stop. But they do build that trust that, that we're only trying to do it for the better of the business, our employees, and our customers, and us personally. 
Hey, I'm with Brian Weeks from ATC Auto Center. Hey, are your customers investing in Jasper? Absolutely. Um, and I think that uh, the biggest thing is, is in the world of automotive nowadays, uh, let's don't talk about parts and labor so much. You know, when you when you look at the mechanical side of it and look at the parts and labor side, you know, you're, you're selling cu- the customer a transmission, but what you're really doing is selling peace of mind. So it's not hard convincing customers to invest in their vehicle. Uh, we don't feel like it is. Uh, we, we haven't really had an issue with that. You know, it's, it's not for everybody. And, you know, in certain situations, you may have uh, somebody that doesn't necessarily see that value, but it's our responsibility to show the value that Jasper has. It's not about your transmission is going to shift through all five gears now. It's more about you can take the kids to soccer this evening without having a problem. You'll be able to make it to work tomorrow without a problem. You can go on that vacation and not have a worry. That's what it's more about. And Jasper provides that so that we can offer that to the customer. Hey, Brian, thanks for your time. Carm, thank you. Patrick, you call your second pivot the crash of 2014. Well, sure. I mean, just with that same attitude, I went in, I raised the rates. I, I, didn't, I didn't put the value behind the, the, the price that, that was at my shop. I didn't sell what I was doing to my people clearly enough. Um, they didn't buy into to, to the idea that we were going to be a value shop, that we were going to charge a little more, but we were going to do so much more and we we're going to be able to do so much more with it. Um, I, I just, I kind of failed as a leader to like get my people on the boat before I pulled it away from the dock. You know what I mean by that? And it, it caused a, um, it caused a kind of a disaster in my shop. I, the, it, there was a day I got a two week notice from one of my technicians, um, and I had already been looking for a third. So we were already like kind of positioned in the right place. But then the other one gave his two-week notice too at, at the, ne- the next day. And they just, they, they saw... So let me back up a little bit. The biggest problem I had is I raised my rates. I didn't put the value behind my product. And I, I wasn't marketing yet. So I, I lost customers. Just like Kim probably lost a lot when she made some big changes in her business. I lost a lot of my customers who were looking for just low price and I'd failed to replace them with other ones. And it caused a bit of a downward spiral in my business. And it caused my technician, my technician saw what was going on. They were seeing less and less cars coming in and they jumped off the ship. I mean, I don't really, I don't really blame them, but there was a day where I had gotten somebody to come that had signed a contract to work for me. And there was one day where I literally got to sit around at my shop with no technicians and just just stare at the stare at the desk. And I call that the crash. And it was one of the worst the, the worst feelings I've ever had, you know, as a shop owner. So, well, while we're in the the, the your mode, uh, show us the picture. Okay, so I, I can remember the moment I met Cecil in the class, and it caused a pivot, and I ran with it. The next moment was 2015, uh, September 5th, 2015, at about noon, that same day where I had no technicians and I was freaking out. I went to my daughter's daycare and I just walked in the door and went straight into her room. And she was, she was six months old at the time, little tiny cherub, just one, you know, best thing that's ever happened to me in life. She was in her crib and she was sleeping 
And I just walked up to her, put my hand on her. And this is the picture I took right after that happened. That's her just like, you know, cutest little thing. And I, and you can hear me get choked up about this. I walked out of that room. I walked out of the daycare and I went to the parking lot and I, I just sat there. I started to get angry and I started to just get this fire inside of me. And I remember turning, diligently walking in my car, getting in my car and saying, I just turned. This is it. I'm fighting now. I'm, I'm not going to let this happen ever again. Everything from here on is up. And I just turned, went back to work. That guy, the, my next tech came. The next week, we started completely new and we, we never looked back. And it, it was, that was my, my moment. I can tell to the very the hour that it happened. Um, and it, that emotion made a change in my brain happen. You know, I, I learned from that hard. And it, you know, that was the moment that it happened. That, that little picture there. So I would say that that was the real tipping point because it wasn't raising, it wasn't learning that the shop could do something different or raising prices or it was the moment that you said, no more. I'm yep. going to make this thing work no matter what it takes. Yep. I'm going to find the knowledge. I'm going to find the people. I'm going to convince the people. I'm going to market and get the best customers in. Whatever that was, I'm not giving up. I'm not going to let this thing go. And I'm not going to make any more excuses. Exactly. If there's a wall in front of me, I'm either going to walk around it or knock it down with a sledgehammer. I'm not going to stop until I have what my until my shop can be what I needed it to be at that moment, which was stable, which was profitable and which was secure. You know, I, I needed those things so bad right then. And I decided to fight till I got them. I had a very similar, similar experience and it was Cecil sitting in my office at the, at my second shop. And he looked at me and says, you have two kids in high school right now. What are you going to do for their future? If you guys continue doing what you're doing, you're not going to have a future for your children. And my, you know, my second one here, we are a few years later and she's in her senior year at, you know, Vanderbilt. My other, my son graduated with a, a degree and they're, they're, they're able to graduate with no, no debt for their bachelor's. That is because it became a decision. What's, what's best for our family? And that was kind of our, our moment of we've got to either do this or we're going to do, you know, do something different. And my determination was we were going to do this. And Rob's determination was let's go, let's move forward. And so, um, I think you have to get to that point where you have to know why you want to make this pivot and why it's so important. And it's not just about the ego of having a, a, a profitable business or making more money. It's bigger than that. Mm -hmm. Patrick, thank you for that. Uh, Incredibly emotional moment. Uh, you've got a lot of great chat going on on the Zoom thing, <laughs> giving you rocky high fives for that moment. <laughs> um, anyone, to, it, listen, everyone has a great story to tell, there's no doubt, but some of them that can use the story, the rocky moment, to really change their business and to change their world and to change their life, th that's, that's what we're trying to get out here because there's a lot of people out there that have yet to have their rocky moment, and that's why we're doing this. Alan? Yeah, my, my first... I think my first pivot really was, um, and I didn't mention it here in when I emailed you guys, but my very first pivot was when I was working for someone else and running their business. And, um, you know, I was supposed to take it over. And I said, this is just ridiculous. I don't want this. I want to move on and do something better. Like there's a better way to do this than what the traditional shop is doing. And, um, and I left and I opened my own shop and, and I was doing what you guys were doing too. You know, I'm like, all right, well, I gotta, 
I specialize in German cars and there's lots of German car dealerships out here. And I want to do it. I want to be the best in, in the area, but I'm going to be less than the dealer. And, um, mm-hmm. I, and, and then it, it wasn't working. I, I was busting my hump and not making any money. It felt like I was just working and working and working and everybody's loving me and I'm doing a great job, but I'm not making any money. <laughs> And I just had a baby and, um, my wife is going to stay home with the baby and I need to, this business needs to be profitable and this needs to work. Um, so I needed help and I didn't know where or how to get that help. And then I got a, um, a flyer in the mail about, um, from world pack for a training seminar on, uh, on service advisor selling. And, uh, since I was selling all the work and I was never a service advisor before I decided to go to this class and, I took the class. It was here in Boston. Uh, Cecil was taking, was teaching it. Patrick happened to be there also. <laughs> um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this class and like, you know, when you're in class, you always get kind of off the topic and you get onto other bigger and better things that are, that are um, important as well. And he's describing my business. Like this is me. <laughs> I mean, this is, ex- this is exactly me in my shop and things are going wrong and it's not working. And, yeah, I'm doing everything right, but it's not working. So, and he seems to share the same values as me and beliefs as me. And I said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm buying into this. Like this is, this is, things can be different. And I took lots of notes and Monday morning I went back and the first thing I did is raise my labor rate. <laughs> and, um, just like he said, not a single person balked at it, not one. And I think I was at $90 an hour at the time. And I went up to a hundred and a month later I was 110 and a couple months later, I was 125. And, you know, it, nobody has ever complained about it. And um, all they want is a good service. And we're going to continue to discuss that it's not about labor rates. It's about mm-hmm. a lot of other things, okay? Yeah. But it, it seems a common denominator, Cecil. I think there's, there's an important thing here. It's not, it's not that I raised my labor rate. Um, it's that I raised my labor rate and I was able to take that money that I made and, and do some other changes in my business exactly. that allowed me a little bit of breathing room. And, and really maybe I did lose a couple of customers, but they were really the ones that wouldn't pay anyway. They're not the ones that are going to make me successful ultimately. And, you know, I, I think, I think you really have to consider, you know, the business as a whole and, and the fact that that money just gave me the ability to pay my techs a little more and get them invested. And it gave me the ability to clean up my waiting room and make it look uh, better. So my presentation was better. Um, you know, um, this is a very complex business. And when the pieces are in place, um, you know, the shops that the guys like uh, that, that we have on, on today, they've made a decision that they want to run a, a very specific type of business and, and, and they're not making excuses. They're, they're solving problems. And, and the fact that they, you know, Kim came to me a few years back and she said, hey, there's this piece of property down the street. And they were stuck in this little three-bay shop and they were very limited. And, uh, and we went through it and I was like, how come you haven't bought it yet? You know, <laughs> that, that couldn't have happened two years prior. Because uh-huh. right. they weren't in that position to take advantage of that. Um, and then they still would be stuck in this little three-bay shop doing fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a month and, and scraping by as opposed to having a beautiful uh, 12 bay shop or 10 bays, whatever it is. Um, And, and really allowing for more opportunity within the business, not just for themselves, 
but for their employees, their employees' families, and even for their customers, better, better uh, for the customers also. Mm-hmm. I think in Absolutely. some ways I may have jumped the gun just by saying, you know, I, I just saying that I raised my labor rate. This is not just a big labor rate raising yeah. over here. <laughs> like um, I, I did that and I, I failed to put some of the other pieces in place. But looking back now, looking at what our shop is compared to what it was back then, like with the profit that we've gotten from, from doing this right, you know, our, we've hired factory level technicians that have 15, sometimes 20 years of experience. These guys are, are making good money in my shop. They have uh, benefits. Uh, they have a 401k with, with great matching that is, is in, a lot of the benefits are even better than the, the dealership jobs that they had before. We have a fleet of loaner cars that our customers just love. We're, our business is stable. And in my opinion, a customer coming to a stable business that has money in the bank it is is going to be taken care of better across the board than uh, a customer walking into a business that's barely paying their bills. We, we've we've built so much more value from the extra profit that we've gotten from being a good business that ultimately I think we are offering a better product and, and customers are liking it better and we're able to do more for our customers. And and you know um, one of the our pivot what after we came back from that that expo. Um, was it was it included and it did include raising the labor rate because we were the cheapest but what it also did the pivot for us was we got to come back and run this like a business Mm -hmm. not just you know we're going to make money we're going to pay the bills and hope we have money at the end of the month um so the pivot for us was raising labor rate setting up systems and processes figuring out how to track and, and, and um, focus on our productivity, our shop, you know, our technician productivity and the shop efficiency and the, the technician efficiency. And it was, it was this whole package of these are the numbers. I guess a pivot ultimately was these are the goals. We have goals now. We didn't have goals before. So the goals are X, Y, and Z. Now that was our pivot is to know what our goals were going to be. Mm-hmm. And, and then, make the shift on accomplishing those goals. So for us, I don't think the pivot was, we're the cheapest, let's be, you know, raise our rates. It was, let's figure out how to run a business better and do it. We're, we're all having multiple pivots in our world and in our life, in our business. And, you know, from these first 20 some minutes, here was my, here's my takeaway. Change is good. Absolutely. And I think when you, I, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's labor rate, if it's leadership, if it's marketing, when you start as an inexperienced quote, air quote business person, and Kim, you, you said it, we have to learn to run our business like a business, and you do those changes and you find positives from it, and then you, you start walking around saying, change is good. But Carm, here's the deal. I've, I've made some changes in my business based off of my gut and my seat of my pants before. And, and they've blown up in my face in, in, a, in a dangerous way. I've, I've recovered from all of them. But the change is good as long as it's, it's a balance between your gut instinct that's backed up by data and backed up by past experiences of others. I did you not know? say change is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and please remember that. Cecil. I, I, I think that the comment would be good change is good. That's right. And when you have knowledge and you, and you base what you're doing on knowledge, your gut has to come into it. Yes. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's not, oh, there's this mathematics and that makes sense. But when you have knowledge and you know, like productivity, my productivity is 65%. That's costing me 100 grand a year. 
Now, all of a sudden you say, how do I, now I need that to come up. And if that comes up, I'm going to recoup that, that money. And then I'll be able to use that money or put that money into invest that in myself, my family, my business, and the families of the people that work for me. I like where we went with this, this whole change thing that I've kind of interjected here. And where I picked that up, change is good, many, many years ago was when too many people said, oh, I don't want to change. I don't want to change. And you really had to, you know, there's a way, there's a way to say that change isn't perfect and good change is good. But I'm trying to, I guess, with that whole discussion point here is to get people to realize that they've got to do something. And, yeah. and that's, that's our point here. I, th- I think there's an important question on the, on the, the feed. I'm, I'm kind of following questions and, and, and it is, does complacency, lack, or understanding of business education or not denial come into play? Well, of course it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you, you get tired uh, um, and you don't know what to do and, and you find other things to do that aren't perfecting your business. They're not solving your problem. You know, I watch um, myself. Um, I have an article to write. I'm, I'm not feeling it. So all of a sudden I'm on my Facebook, uh, you know, goofing off or, or I'm in my emails. Um, you know, instead of sit down, start writing, and, and, and it's going to come to you. We, we, have, we have too many automotive business owners that don't have the knowledge to, I mean, when you understand the business financially, like the people in this, this, on this podcast understand the business, it gives you a lot more options, a, a lot more faith, a lot more hope, and, and actually starts to help you understand how, where do I go, right? Where's, where's my next thing? And, and labor rate increase is is one small piece. Yep. Hey, thank you so much for that. I love the stream. And uh, thank you to my friend Greg Buckley and, and Kevin, of course. Kevin was on last week. Good stuff, guys. Thank you so much. Hey, let's, uh, let's find another one of those marvelous inflection points. And you did a pivot, Kim, about customer acquisition. Yeah, if you could go back to the beginning of my story, our, the, um, our customers were our friends and church members and those looking for the bargain. So I think what what naturally happened is as we became more professional in what we did and, um, you know, you know, the labor, increased labor rate, even adjusting our parts margins. We had no idea that when you uh, charge twice as much as you're paying, that it's not really a good markup. We just didn't know that. <laughs> so when you start figuring out, you know, what your goals are and start achieving those goals, you're naturally going to have attrition of um, customers. That customer base is going to change because they liked it better when they can just call you and say, hey, Rob, I, you know, I've got this leaking. Yeah, stop by and I'll take a look at it. No, now we're looking at our, our scheduling. We're looking at, you know, the shop productivity. Um, we can't just see it when, it when it works for you. We've got to make sure it works for our business and our technicians. And so people, it didn't, wasn't as convenient for them. It wasn't as cheap. It wasn't. So we had to kind of say, okay, what is the business that we want to be? And moving into this building, that, that's probably our big second pivot. But the pivot, the first pivot was back when we had our goals and then we had to start thinking, okay, we got to, you know, we have to maintain or keep increasing our customer base in order to support our business. Um, and this is still at the three bay shop, um, you know, but we got to get the right customers in. So we started making sure that we were marketing in the right avenues. And, and so our, our pivot at that point was 
it's we're not friends and family. We'll still be your friends and we'll still be your family and we'll still be your, your church members. But we have a business to run and we also have employees that we have a responsibility of taking care of. So we can't be your cheapest and we can't be your best anymore, but we can be your best and you can, and we can be the most the best value for you. So we had to remarket and rebrand ourselves in that way. Um, so the rebranding of us came about how we dress, what we wore, how clean our facility was. Even if it was a three-bay dump, it was going to be the cleanest three-bay dump we ever owned or we ever were in. Um, and then how we, you know, how we answered every system and process was about rebranding us in order to, to bring in that right customer. Thank you for that. And by the way, anyone can go to our website, type in Kim space A, if you can't spell Auerheimer, <laughs> and listen to all of Kim's previous episodes because she's very passionate about processes and systems and some great stories about your business success. Thank you for all of that. Alan, the next pivot for you was kind of peer-to-peer. Yeah, um, next pivot for me was kind of joining this, this the 20s group, the smart group that, that we're all in here, and um, and just networking with other people in that group, and we have, you know, Cecil as a coach to work with, which has just been you know, phenomenal for me, but I mean, I, I mean, the, the monthly membership fee and the time that I dedicate to that to that group are like the single most important, the best investment I ever made in um, in my business and, and being productive and being um, profitable and, and, and growing. Um, just the knowledge you learn and, and with, from all these people, it's like now I don't have just my own knowledge, but I have the knowledge of a of a, of a coach who's got lots of experience, a lot more than I did. And I've also got the knowledge of the 20 other people that are a part of the group and, and their experiences and their, and their ups and downs and learn from everyone's mistakes and everyone's successes. And, uh, and that's been really valuable to me. Um, just uh, learning from others, you know, and not just myself. And then sharing with others. I, I was on the phone last night with uh, one of our group members, Don, who called me. He was having a hard time as an employee. And uh, it's just nice to know that you have other people like like that you can call and talk to like I'm sure Don was relieved to be able to call and talk to another group member and just have someone ease his conscience. And I've done it before too. I've called Patrick and be like, uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, we just give each other advice, you know? So that was a big pivot for me, just making that move and uh, making a little bit of an investment in time and, and short amount of money and um, having the resources at your fingertips. Good advice. Thank you, Patrick. Did anyone ever um, um, force you to do a pivot when they would come up to you and say, so, hey, boss, uh, how can I earn a hundred grand? Yeah, so this, <laughs> this just happened, and this is my favorite pivot so far because it's not a pivot that involved a near crash or a you know, explosion or something exploding in my face. Um, so just recently, one of, my, one of my technicians came up to me and, um, and said, you know what, I, I just I want to know what it's going to take for me to take home 100K from this shop. What is it? What do we need to do here to make that happen? And and I said, and I was I was starting to buzz. I was like, oh, finally, this is like the question I've been waiting for. <laughs> and and we sat down together, him and me, and we pulled up my financial spreadsheets, and I I ran some projections. Um, in the smart group that Alan and I and Kim's in one too, I think are in. We focus on numbers. We we spend a good amount of time going through the numbers. I took the whole spreadsheet and I pulled a whole column out. Of you know, we'd already gone through January, February, March, April, May. I made a blank column and I put I put a hundred grand where his little pay thing was. And then we basically 
worked backwards. He told me what he needed. And then I told him what I needed to give him that. And, and then we came up to 48.1 hours per guy uh, per week. That's all we needed. And the amazing part, and he even, he was going on his calculator the whole time we we're talking. He said, well, what are we at now? And I pulled up, all right, here's the averages for the first quarter. Um, you're worth, we were 13% shy of 48.1 hours. So a 13 point, a 13% increase in my shop gets him and every other guy there exactly what they're asking for. And he's like, well, that's not that hard. 13% said to me, that's just a series of small little changes we need to make. And I was like, exactly, let's do it. And this, this monster was created in my shop. Suddenly, <laughs> without me pushing anymore, without me trying to ram these ideas down my people's throats, they, they suddenly, uh, a light bulb went on and they started innovating instantly. Um, stuff started moving around. The equipment started moving towards more efficient places. Um, the, they, they started running towards a goal. And, and my favorite, favorite thing that happened is he came up to me and said, Patrick, you need to buy a big whiteboard, like a big one. And I was like, how big? The biggest one, <laughs> the biggest whiteboard. So we bought an eight foot long by four foot tall whiteboard that we have mounted in the center of the shop on the wall. And my techs, and I love this because I, I was an airline pilot, call it the cockpit. This is our cockpit. This whiteboard has all the performance stuff that we're doing. How many hours have we sold today? How many hours have we sold this week? How many hours have we sold this month? And it's constantly changing and they're, they're, the dispatch board has dispatch has moved into it as well. So the advisors are focusing on it and the technicians are focusing on it. And what this is, is it's a scoreboard. If you go to a, a soccer uh, stadium or a baseball, like any sport, what's the next biggest thing out there next to the actual field itself? It's the scoreboard. And we have this in my shop and this whole thing is starting to snowball. And this is the first week it's Friday, about 12, about noon. I got a text just a little while ago from my guys that said, we are four hours away from our goal. We're four hours away, not just from the 48.1, but from the 50 hour goal. So they set a high and a low goal. And this all happened without me necessarily pushing. Um, this is my pivot. And this pivot kind of happened on its own, happened organically. It happened because of a culture that I was able to build in my company. Um, I, I laid out the pieces. I put the right people in the right places. I could afford to hire the right people that have these ideas floating around their heads. And then it just came to life literally last week. And we had our first week with this new system and it's working. It's so cool. So that's my, my, my third and favorite pivot to this point. And it's, it's got me really, really excited as you can see. That was an example of what Alan was talking about these groups that you go and, and uh, I'm going to go find an eight foot by four foot mm -hmm. whiteboard. <laughs> yep. And we're going to try this because that's exactly what we're talking about. Those oh, 20 so groups cool. and, I'll send you a and getting into, I would love to see that, um, but getting into these groups and taking ideas from other people and implementing yep. it. And uh, that that's exactly what Alan was talking about. Just like Cecil said, it's easy to get kind of stale in this industry. Day by day by day, it goes by the being, Having some peers to go to is, is so important, I think, because it lets you get out of your shop and, and innovate a little bit and share ideas. Yeah. And it, it, there, there's so much of what we do and what we need to do is is using our brains and use, and thinking about stuff on a higher level. Go ahead, Cecil. I think Patrick said something um, earlier that I think is super important. 
And that is, um, he created the culture. Now, he didn't create that all by himself, mm. but once he decided what kind of a shop he wanted to be, he started thinking differently, acting differently, and attracting, uh, you know, different things. I'm not this uh, uh, woo person, but I think when the time's ready and you're ready, the universe will provide what you need uh, to be successful. So he attracted great people who now, because of the culture that was created between the team, now they're they're going, wow, we, we have the opportunity here to make a hundred grand. I can't tell you how many shops in classes I've taught. I said, yeah, my technicians made bread routinely $120,000, $130,000 in 2005. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, no way. You Technicians never could make that kind of money. Well, I'm sorry. It, it isn't that hard mm-hmm. when you've created that successful culture. You've decided who you want to be and you've got people involved and invested in becoming what that is. And I think that's that's one of the keys that created the ability to have that pivot point. You know, them them going to group meetings and coming back excited about knowledge that they've learned is is creating a culture and it's teaching a lesson to the rest of the team. Um, hey, I need to learn some new things. Hey, I could if I learn some new things, I could have better success. And 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 that culture becomes so important to your ultimate uh, uh, success. Now I. I listen to almost everything my guys say, and we do just about everything they kind of want to do, but there's also limits. Had they come to me and said, well, I think we're going to stop doing the multi-point inspections and just start trying to churn more cars through here, that would have been a different story. But but they, they know that that's one of my cornerstones and that's not going to go away. And they know that that's better as well. They, they know that those inspections are what raise our vehicle hours per sold from two hours to five hours per car. And that's what enables us to do so much with less less cars in our shop. And it's right for the customer. It's right, it's for, the right for the customer. It's right for the customer. Yeah. More their car, our customers' cars compared to another shop's cars, our customers' cars last longer. They don't break down as much. They're more reliable and they're more enjoyable to drive. Mm-hmm. And that's what our customers are looking for when they come to us. So it's all a huge... It's an overall value. You have to make yourself overall more valuable to them than the alternative. Yep. You know? and, and you have to be the, the I, I, I believe in like, I, I know that we're not, we may be the most expensive shop in town, but we're the best shop in town and we offer the best service, the best value overall. In the end, people pay less to keep the car throughout the life of the car. It actually costs them less money because it's done right. Yep. And they have an understanding of it along the way. It, but it goes back to you have to decide if that's what you want to do and that's who you want to mm-hmm. be. Yep. And I think all of us that pivot, um, you know, our initial pivot was who who are we and what do we really want to be? And if there's a gap there, then we got to close that gap. And that's yep. and every so that going back to the pivot is deciding who you are and what you want to be as a business, as an employee, as a parent, as a spouse. You know, this business, it, it, it encompasses all of those. You know, you guys at some point were up against it. You were tired. Uh, you were the discount shop. You were the guy that, you know, you, your family and friends supported your business. You kept the price low. All of a sudden, you come to this crazy guy's class and he starts teaching about numbers and you make a decision that you're going to do something different. Now you got to go home and you got to tell your staff, we're going to do something different. And you actually have to do something about it and make a change. How did you go home and, and, and get the staff invested? In Patrick's case, he didn't do a good enough job. 
And it cost him, uh, at least uh, initially, maybe it was the right thing because it got him to the second pivot point where yep. he, he decided who he was going to be. Um, but how do, you, how do you get your people? Um, you know, uh, Sheila asked a question, do you, do you look at the other labor rates around you? And, and my answer is no, I, I don't. I don't care what someone else is charging because I know what I need to charge to get what I need out of the business. Well, how do I get my staff behind that? My service advisor, my techs, how, how do you guys do that? Or how did you? I actually, I actually, when I, when I only had uh, one other person working with me at the time and we were both working a zillion hours and having a hard time. And, and my initial thing was I came back and it, I, I had a conversation with that person and, um, and they were on board, you know, I was, preaching about how this is going to be better for you, for me, for everyone. Um, and, and I ended up hiring another person and trying to ensure that that's to this person that it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. Um, and, and you got to get them to buy into the culture. You know, you're, you're building a new culture and if they don't buy into it, if they don't fit, then it's going to work itself out. They're going to end up eventually end up leaving. But honestly, I had the hardest time selling it to my wife who's probably listening right now. Um, because uh, she was uh, nervous about that. She didn't sit through the class. She was worried about me just raising my prices and, 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 um, and making more investments and, and being cautious about making all these investments. But it takes time, but the investments pay off. It just takes time and you got to work hard to get through it. But um, once you sell it to the people and you, like Patrick's got such an awesome situation there where everybody's like bought into his culture unbelievably well. And um, I think it's just because you have to sell it and you have to live it and you have to be energetic about it and excited about it. And like, it's like, it's your being, you, you emit this culture from you in all aspects and you're always excited about it. And you're always excited about it on the phone with your, with in your, in your weekly meetings, which you should be having with your staff and, and, um, <laughs> and in your smart group, wherever, always be positive about it. And, yeah. and people just follow you, you know, they believe you and they, they buy into it. And, and then when you work it as a team together to do it, it just works. You know, customers love it. They see that energy. They feed off of it. They love yeah. it. People comment to me about that. I love your energy about breaks. Well, yeah, we've got breaks. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I think for us, the saying, don't fix what's not broke. You know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. We were broken. We yeah. were broken. So we just had to start doing one step at a time. And with our, you know, we came back to, um, at the time, it was, um, it was, uh, we had two employees, um, Tanner and Lori, that were with us and they're still with us today. Um, everybody else has kind of switched up and it's always been for the best. You know, we just came back and we're like, okay, this isn't working. So you just got to trust us. Trust. If it doesn't work, if it's not working now, it, can all, it can't get any worse. <laughs> so let's just try it one step at a time. Are you with me? Let's go. Are you going to, if you want to take this walk with us, take the walk. They knew it was broke. This is, everything was broken. I mean, it was obvious. So it was a lot easier to say, you just got to trust, trust me and, and we'll, we'll move forward. Hey, Alan, is your wife involved in the business with you? She helps out a lot. She, we have two little kids at home. They're three and four. Okay. <laughs> and uh, she's a full-time mom, but she participates. She's here. She helps. She does my drop cards. Okay. The, the reason that I asked is I almost feel a, a Town Hall Academy coming out about... Uh, right. <laughs> 
Well, we, we, we do a lot of stories. You know, we, we've interviewed a lot of wives and, and partnerships, but it's like uh, getting buy-in from the from the, the husband-wife team and being aligned together. It, it really opened me up. Hey, I don't know where the time has gone. It's been an unbelievable. It, this just this went like this went like that. Now I'm going to ask you all for a a final word. I would be remiss if I didn't uh, speak something that one of you wrote that did not come up yet, but is a perfect conclusion that I want to offer. Patrick, you wrote this to me, and I think it's one of the most powerful statements on your talking points. The beauty of organic innovation that comes from the culture you created. Mm-hmm. It kind of sums up the last 15 minutes. I mean, we were into the culture drive and the people on the team. The beauty of organic innovation comes from the culture you created. And basically, when your team comes to you and they have they have bought in the, for whatever it takes to find that level of success, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. It's exciting. I, I, I got to keep it together now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wow. Wow. So. The, the the beams come from the sky, uh, Alan. I'll, I'll we'll go around the room. I'll I'll give you the I'll give you your last word on this. I guess with the pivot, like I mean, I, we've all been through tough times as business owners, and there's lots of people listening here. I'm sure who have been through tough times or in the middle of tough times and tuning into this because they want to, you know, some encouragement for, for a direction or like the magic potion. And I, I think that you, you just just stick it out. You know, I mean. Patrick went through probably one of the toughest times of any of us here. And, you know, if you just, if you just stay the course and, and, and maintain your beliefs, if you truly believe in them and um, stay the course and, and keep plugging away and doing the next right thing, making the next right decision. That's been the key for me in my life. And I preach it to everybody around me, just make the next right decision. And, um, and you can't go wrong. You know, the world will be, the universe is in your side. Somehow it, the stars will align and you'll get through it and you'll come out the other end. Um, I went through this with a service advisor that just about sunk me recently and and then compiled with a marketing campaign that flopped that cost me a ton of money. And it, it just, um, it, you know, I, I stayed the course and, and, and I kept moving and I kept my beliefs. I kept my, um, I kept my, um, my culture, you know, and, um, and got through it. And now we're coming out of it now and it's, Beautiful thing. You just yeah. described to me the stock market. Very good. Thank you so much for being here, Ellen. Kim. Well, I think um, for the don't be afraid. Don't be afraid um, if to tr- give it a to give it a, a shot. Give it a chance. Um, and then when you do, as Alan said, you know, persevere. Keep the course. Um, I had. I wouldn't say it was an additional challenge, but it was a different kind of challenge in that there was two of us because I'm, you know, Rob and I are partners in the business. He's just a lot more quiet and shy than I am. Um, But we both had to decide to make this pivot together. And so when I was ready to make a pivot, you know, he wasn't quite ready. And so I had a lot of prayer. I had a lot of um, you know, convincing. And, and then I also got a lot of help. I picked up the phone and said, you know, in, in, in this particular case, our, our coach was Cecil. I said, Cecil, I need your help. We're, you know, we, we know this pivot, we know the pivot we need to make, but we got to do this together. And so we need help. Um, and so don't be afraid to ask for help when you're making these pivots and when you're seeking the direction that you, you think you want to go check in, make sure that's really the, the, the right, 
um, the right focus, the right decision and the right avenue that you should take. So I think don't, you know, the key things for me is don't be afraid and, and get support, get help, whether it be through a coach, any coach, just get at somebody. Um, I kind of impartial to one in particular, get in these groups, you know, and, and get support because I think running a business is truly, truly one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, ever done in my life, but it's also become the most rewarding. Um, it's not without challenges on a daily basis. It's not without um, frustrations and concern and, you know, unsurety. At the same time, it's the most sure, it's the most comforting, it's the most exciting thing that I've ever done. You know, I want to get out and preach the world. Just, you know, find your pivot where find out where your pivot is, what it should be and go because it can only get better. And, you know, we're blessed that we, we do have a 10 base shop. We have, you know, four amazing technicians. We've got, you know, two amazing front office staff and Rob and I have a, a, an amazing marriage because we got help when we needed it. Um, we have a great family life because we got, you know, we decided to make that pivot and we got help to do it. So um, just do it. <laughs> Thank you from the heart, Kim, as always. Appreciate that. Patrick? I'm going to feed off what Alan said a little bit with the attitude thing. The attitude that you carry around on your shoulders every day makes or breaks what's going on here. There, there was a day that Friday that I had zero technicians working for me that I was checking in cars for the Monday that I was hopefully going to have a technician roll his toolbox in my doors. And I literally felt like I wanted to crawl in a hole and die that day, but I still was carrying my attitude around with me. I was still positive. I was, I was still excited about my business to my customers, even if inside I was kind of falling apart. My advice to the people who have to deal with this stuff is to put on a, a suit of armor, so to speak, when things are going south. And, and even when that technician just dropped a bolt in the turbocharger, I'm still talking positively about that guy to my customer, or to my friend. Never, ever will you ever hear me talk negatively about my business to anybody. I'm not going to gossip about my business. I'm not going to talk bad about my guys for any reason. I trust my guys even when they're sitting there having a bad day screwing up. I hold them on such a high pillar all the time that my customers and the employees that might someday work for me can just sense that that feed that attitude. And there's a certain, I can't quite put a word on it, but there's a certain magic about, about just being excited, making yourself excited all the time. Uh, and it can create this, this success that we're talking about. Hey, thank you, man. Uh, a comment that came from uh, the webinar chat here, creating a culture takes leadership. People have to be willing to go back to you, but you have to have their backs as well. Mm -hmm. Recommended book, Extreme Ownership from Jocko Willenick. Uh, thank you. Great book. I read that. Cecil, you have the last word. I'm the luckiest man in the world because I get to work around inspiring people like this and I get to help them um, figure out who they are and figure out what they want and, and help them achieve it. So uh, I just I, I can't tell you how how inside I'm just I'm beaming from ear to ear because I get to do this on a day to day basis. I watched my father work very, very hard in his business for a very long time. And I don't think he ever achieved the kind of success that he really wanted to achieve in that business. I think it became a place that he didn't know what else to do. So he just kept doing this because that's how he paid the bills and he paid the bills. Um, we talked about a lot of things here. I think we talked about pivotal points and 
And I think you need to understand that uh, there are going to be tough days. Um, and on tough days, you need uh, um, good people around you. Uh, you need uh, good employees around you that still understand the, the vision and what we want to accomplish. And you need good friends around you and other business owners around you that do what you do that have had success and they've been through the tough times and they've, they've held it together and, and kept it going. You need good, um, knowledgeable uh, mentors, people that you can look to for um, key information that you just don't know and you don't know that you don't know. What, what would our world be like in the automotive industry if everyone had a good coach that they could work with and started to learn and understand some of the additional pieces that they're missing within their, within their business, their business lives. Uh, it can be such a great business. I mean, you can really turn this thing around. If you're tired, go get some help, get some knowledge. And it is about increasing your labor rate. Um, uh, go, you know, if, if the expense of having a consultant is what's holding you back or the expense of joining a group, I'm the guy that says, raise your labor rate a dollar an hour. No one's going to care. No one's going to know if that gets you the help that you need. Culture is so important. That, that excitement that Patrick has for the business, that Alan has for his business, that Kim has for her business, is what gets the team on the, you know, they're ready to go too because they see that. And, and it, it's inspiring uh, to the people around you. I just know how great an automotive business can be. And I think our future is very, very bright. But it's only bright if we learn the things that we need to learn. And if we decide not to make excuses, but to tear that wall down or go around it or go over it or go through it, whatever it takes. And so I'm, I'm very inspired. And then last but not least, Carmen, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity to be here and to be able to tell our stories. Um, I think you do a great service to the industry. Thank you so much, uh, Cecil. I sure appreciate this. Absolutely. Um, You know, we all lift... Uh, I'll lift all ships here. Thank you so much. Kim Auernheimer, CS Automotive, Patrick McHugh from Vimmer Rescue, Alan Sims from Revolution Automotive Services, and Cecil Bullard, CEO, Institute of Automotive Business Excellence. Salute. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 